Welcome to the Victorious Life TV broadcast. I'm Lisa Boldo, and we've got a super special guest joining us tonight. This is going to be such an, such an exciting broadcast. My guest, Dave Moore, is the author of the book, The Father's Love. And this is a story about how his college-aged son went missing. Dave had no answers. He was desperate and how he found his faith in God. So Dave, thank you so much for being with us on the broadcast tonight. What an honor. Well, it's great to be here and I appreciate your asking me to be here. I love telling the story. Absolutely. And Dave, you've been on the 700 Club and you know, you've been, you've given so many TV interviews and multiple radio interviews. So your story has been told, my goodness, you've been sharing it kind of all around the world, if you will, right? So yes. again, you know, and I just want to say, I read your story. I read the book and I felt like I was right there with you in the trenches. I had every emotion going on that, that you could think of. It, it was like a roller coaster, really. And so we've got a lot to share. So again, it's an honor to have you with us. Thank you so much. Thank you to you and your wife, Dorinda, so, and your son, David. So take us back to December of 20, uh, December of 2002, when your son went missing and tell us what were the circumstances around his disappearance? Well, it was a Friday night and I had just come home from work and Dorinda was still at work and my son David was at school. And so I came home and, uh, you know, just started going through my Friday routine, uh, let my dog out and, you know, mm -hmm. ordered pizza for when they came home. And then shortly after I came home, Dorinda came home. And when she went to replace a yearbook into David's room, there was a letter laying on his bed. And Dorinda came and brought that letter to me. And when she did, she just had this horrible look on her face. And she said, David's gone. And she had me the letter and I read it. And as I read it, this, this horrible uh, feeling came over me. And my son had put in the letter that he was, he was uh, flunking out of college. He couldn't face me with that failure. And he went, his car would be parked at the Greyhound bus station in Ann Arbor, Michigan, which is about a 20 minute drive from where we live. And so we just immediately jumped in the car uh, we hurriedly drove out there. I was running stop signs and red lights and just in a panic, you know. Mm -hmm. And when I got there, I pulled up in front of the bus station, ran up to the door and pulled the door open and the door was locked. It was about 6.15 and they had closed at six o'clock. Oh. So uh, immediately we started thinking, well, what should we do? So we started circling the streets. And as we circled the first few streets around the bus stop, we saw his car and so we knew that he had gotten on a bus and we knew that we didn't know where he was going to. We had oh no idea. Gosh. You know, I think it's amazing that he said he his car would be at the Greyhound bus station, but that's it. There's nothing else. And so how did that make you feel, you know, as a father? Well, all the way to the bus station, tears were flowing down my face. My shirt was already wet. When we found his car, uh, we I had a spare key for his car, and so I got into his car. And when I sat down in his car, I just began to think, how was he feeling when he last got out of that car just a few hours before that? And I started to realize my head was pounding, 
uh, my chest was hurting. My shirt was wet from tears. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, I was just falling apart. And I felt like somehow I had failed my son. Now, I know that, you know, you and I had spoken before and you weren't saved at the time. You didn't know the Lord, right? No, uh, I mean, I... I had a knowledge of God, but I had never surrendered my life to God. Mm -hmm. And so I never even at that moment, I'm not even thinking that I can call upon God. It's, I'm just thinking here I am, a guy that has always been able to fix things. I mean, somehow I'll be able to fix this. And that was my my thought process at the time. Out somewhere, wherever my son is, I'll find him. Wow. So you every the whole weight of it was on you, basically, you and your wife. And so... Yeah. Now your son was gone. You had no idea where he is, where to look, where to find him. So what did you do next? Well, we drove the two cars home and we pulled out a Rolodex and we began to call everybody we knew. We mm -hmm. began to call all his friends, all of our friends, just trying to find out if anyone knew anything. And uh, so we got a hold of David's girlfriend. She, she didn't um, answer right away, but she called us back. Mm -hmm. And uh, so everybody couldn't believe it. Everybody at first thought it was a prank. People thought mm -hmm. we were just, you know, pulling something on them. But it was true. Really? You know? And mm -hmm. and so um, uh, we eventually found out from David's girlfriend, Ashley, that uh, he had mentioned the city of Dayton, Ohio. Well, um, I had just gotten paid that day. I had a, a, a wallet full of money, but I went to the bank and got more. And while I was at the bank, Dorinda and Ashley had found an address in David's trash can. Well, we found out before I even left for Dayton that that address was to a homeless shelter in Dayton, Ohio. Wow. So in my mind, that's where he is. I have to get there right now. So I jumped in my car and just took off as fast as I could. It was about a three and a half hour drive. And I just headed down there right away. Wow. So you immediately hit the street you know, going off to Dayton to try to find him because in your mind, well, he's at this shelter. So, I mean, what was that experience like? I mean, I, I'm on my way there and I, I'm literally just like in, in, I can't even explain it. It's a parent's mm -hmm. worst nightmare, uh, a missing child. And yeah. even though he's at college age, he's still my son. Absolutely. And he's missing. And so I don't know his mind is set. I don't know, you know, is he suicidal? I mean, I don't know. And so, I mean, I'm just pretty much barely making it. I mean, I'm driving way over the speed limit. I'm trying to get there as fast as I can. I'm pounding the dashboard, you know, losing it, blaming myself. And it was just terrible. Wow. So what happened when you got to Dayton? Did you go to the shelter? Well, right when I got to Dayton, I saw a police car on the side of the road. And I pulled over. I told him what I was trying to do. I told him my son was missing. And I gave him this address. Mm -hmm. And he told me, let's go. First, let's go to the bus station. He said, I know where this address is. Let's go to the bus station. So we went to the bus station. The bus station had closed at midnight. We got there about 1215. So again, the bus station was closed. So we go to the shelter. Yeah. And uh, we both walk up to the door. And they had a microphone system. We tell them what we're doing there. And the man said, well, how old is your son? I told him 18. And he said, well, if your son's 18, I can't tell you if he's in here or not. So you'll have to wait until the morning when uh, when I let it make everybody leave. And so it's like going on 1230 in the morning now. So I have to wait till like seven o'clock in the morning. So I park out in front of the shelter wow. and I start to wait. I just sit there and wait until seven o'clock in the morning. Oh my gosh. So you waited outside of the shelter all night long. And 
you know, I mean, you must have been so exhausted. What what was what what did you do next? Well, yeah, I had I had gotten up early Friday morning and went to work and worked all day. Right. And now it's the next more Saturday morning and I'm sitting outside the shelter waiting. It was so it was an odd thing because it was like 20 degrees um, that night. It was very cold. It was in December in, in um, Dayton, Ohio. Mm. And but where I was parked at, I could see the bus station, too, about not quite a quarter mile down the road. Okay. So every every time I would see someone walking down the road, I would drive down there really fast and thinking maybe it was my son. It wasn't. And I would turn around through the bus station and come back and park again. This happened to me three or four times uh, where I saw somebody walking, I drove down there. And each time I drove through that bus station parking lot, I kept seeing this large uh, cardboard box. Mm. And I kept thinking, no, surely my son's not inside that box. The last time I drove through there, I had to look. Mm -hmm. And so I, I shined my lights on my truck on that box and I walked up to it and I lifted the lid. And as my eyes focused, I looked inside of that box and there was somebody inside of that box. And I said, David, I yelled his name. And an older man looked up at me, covered up with all of these clothes. And he looked at me and he said, no, he just said, no, he wasn't David. And so I turned around and started walking back to my truck and just started, my knees started quivering. And I literally lost my leg strength and went down on my knees and just, just started crying. I was so, so sad for that man in the box. And then my son could be in that same condition. It was terrible. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So did you have a lot of interaction with different homeless people and things like that? And well, it's seven o'clock in the morning when they emptied everyone out of the bus station. I mean, I'm sorry, out of the homeless shelter. Mm -hmm. uh, my son wasn't in there. I had sat there all night and he wasn't in there. So the homeless people told me they, they, were, they were heading to a day shelter and they said, your son could be there. And so they took me there. It was it was such an amazing thing because they then offered me coffee. They offered me a sandwich. You know, they'd sit down. Next. The homeless were helping me. They put their arm around me. They were trying to comfort me. And so, um, but he wasn't in the night shelter and he wasn't in the day shelter. So I was waiting until nine o'clock for when the uh, bus station would open back up. So I could try to find out again, if he didn't come to Dayton, where did he go? And so then at nine o'clock in the morning, I went to the bus station and I talked to one of the people there and I found out for the first time that his bus ticket purchased in Ann Arbor was to Atlanta, Georgia. Wow. And I had, I had sat in Dayton overnight for eight hours and, and now I'm eight hours from Atlanta and that's where his bus ticket went. So you, so from Dayton to a cross country to Atlanta, and I mean, you, God was really protecting you because you also had a situation that was pretty dangerous. Tell us about that too. Well, when I, when I was in Atlanta, I had this, that big wad of money. I told you I went and got extra right. money. I'd gotten paid that day. So as I got to Atlanta, I found out, Dorinda found out for me, my wife Dorinda found out mm -hmm. what bus station his ticket went to. And so I drove to that bus station. And when I got out, immediately I was surrounded by homeless people in Atlanta, Georgia. Now, these homeless people weren't as friendly as the ones in, in Dayton were. Mm -hmm. And they were wondering, they started asking me what I was doing. There. Well, kind of foolishly, I pulled out that wad of money. And I began handing money out to all of them. There was probably 15 of them. 
And I told him if they found my, my son, if they knew where my son was at, I would give them the rest of that money. Oh and so I, then I walked into the bus station and I began to talk to them there. Well, one of the homeless people, a young man, followed me in there and he told me that if you'll come across the street with me, I'll tell you where your son's at. Mm. And I said, no, you tell me where he's at right now. And he said, no, you have to come across the street with me. Well, it was starting to sink in. You know, he wasn't up to any good here. Mm -hmm. And so I just really yelled at him. And I said, you either tell me now or you get out of here. Well, right then a police car pulled up at the bus station and he took off really fast. Wow. And so then I talked to the Atlanta police there and I talked to the bus, uh, the bus station there. And I got a big list of homeless shelters from, that covered all of Atlanta. And wow. so that's where my next search began. I began searching all the homeless shelters in Atlanta. Wow. So, so much searching cross country and then, but no results. So you finally came to a place where you were like, I've done every single thing possible that I know to do. What did you do? Who did you turn to? Well, you, you have to remember now I'm searching in Atlanta, but Dorinda and Ashley are here in Michigan and they're doing their part. Right. Um, they ended up getting David's picture faxed to every police station from Michigan to Florida. We contacted John Walsh, mm. uh, who helps find missing children. Yes. Um, we were there. We had, they started her father-in-law. My father-in-law is a national evangelist at that time. And he starts a, he starts a prayer chain all the way across the country, which at that time in my life, I didn't even understand what a prayer chain was. Right. So there's these things going on behind the scenes that I don't know about. And so everybody's doing their part. So eventually, after searching the homeless shelters in Atlanta, I'm searching them. Uh, it's gone a whole nother day. I still haven't been able to find him. There's no clue. There's no clues in Michigan. There's no clues in Atlanta. And the Atlanta police are telling me, look, you need to go back to Michigan and file a miss missing police report. Oh, yeah. And so that's what I decided to do. It was the, one of the hardest decisions I ever made because I felt like I was leaving my son, but I couldn't find him there. So I turned around and headed back to Michigan. So, I mean, so what happened then? Because still, dude, that's a long drive back. What, you know, did you, were you, were you finally calling out to God at some point? You know, um, <laughs> In a restaurant, in the restaurant in Dayton, I went in because there was a, pl a police car parked in there on uh, Saturday morning. When you got back to Dayton? Well, no, the first night. And oh. when I, yeah, and when I was in that restaurant, I was telling the police my story. And when I finished, I started heading back out to my car and someone grabbed me by the arm. And I looked back and this man was standing there and he was just crying. And he said, sir, he said, I don't know you, but I'm sorry. I overheard your story. Can I pray with you? And so I, I didn't know God, but, you know, I was trying to, hey, yes, please pray with me. Wow. And so this man that I didn't know just started praying. And it was so, so strange because the, the restaurant that was so noisy got completely quiet as this man prayed. And he just prayed that God would move mountains wow. for my son to come home. And so he was crying and I was crying. And so then I left. But then I was later, I would see how different things God was doing in this situation. He was sent the man to pray in the restaurant. There was people that prayed with me in homeless shelters in Atlanta. Wow. Yeah. And now there's and there's this prayer chain going on all across America that I don't even understand what that is. 
but God was moving in these these ways. And I would find out soon how God was really moving. So I understand that there was a woman in particular who prayed with you. And is that what resulted in you surrendering your heart to God? Because you did surrender to God. Tell us how that happened. Well, after the, after five days, um, we had posted David's picture all over the campus at Eastern Michigan University. Yeah. Uh, I had stood before his classes and talked to his classes, trying to find out any information there. Uh, the state police crime lab had gone through our computer to see if he'd been in contact with it. So we're just doing anything we can do. And I, being an unsaved person, even contacted a psychic. I made an appointment with a psychic. And, uh, you know, and all this time for Michigan, we're still calling these shelters. Yeah. Well, I'm just getting ready to walk out the door to my psychic appointment to see if they can help find my son. Wow. And just as I get to the door, I felt like an urge to stop and go back and call one more of the shelter names. So I looked on the shelter list and I've been crossing them out. Every time I went down the list, I'd cross them out. And the next one on the list was the Atlanta Church of God. And so I called the number and a lady named Paige answered the phone. And so I started telling Paige my story. I told her everything that had happened from start to finish what had happened. And I mean, I'm crying and she's crying. And so when I finished, Paige says to me over the phone, she said, Dave, she said, I don't know you, but if you come back to Atlanta looking for your son, you come straight to this church. She said, you can stay with us. She said, we'll feed you. We'll give you a, a we'll give you a car. We'll put somebody in the car with you that knows the streets of Atlanta. And if your son's here, we'll find him. And so I just thanked her over and over. And I hung the phone up, just tears pouring out of my eyes. And I started thinking about this woman. I didn't even know her, this wow. Christian woman. And she just wanted to help me. And I looked in front of me on the table that I was sitting at our kitchen table. And there was a Bible sitting there. And my wife was raised in church, but I wasn't. But I saw that Bible and I picked that Bible up. And I held it up to God. And I said, God, I want to be just like this lady. I said, I always want to be part of the solution, never part of the problem again. I said, if you'll save my son, I'll serve you the rest of my life. I'll never leave you. I'll always be part of the solution, never part of the problem again. And I set the Bible down on the table and the phone rang and my son was home just like that. And I just <laughs> fell on my knees and I just began to cry out to God and ask God to forgive me of my sins and accept me as one of his children. And, and, and God had given me a miracle. I cried out to God. I was up against the wall. I didn't know where to turn, who to turn to. And I finally realized I turned to God and God brought my son home. It was a miracle. And he had immediately changed my life. He delivered me from smoking. He delivered me from drinking. He delivered me from lust. He delivered me from lying. He delivered me from my past on that spot and changed my life forever. You know, Dave, this is so powerful because a prayer of surrender, first of all, Pray God your son came Amen. home. Yes. And, and God, I mean, it happened so quickly. And yes. I think about how you were just getting ready on your way to a psychic. Yes. God stopped it because he sees the end from the beginning and he saw what yes. was about to happen. You were Amen. about to give your heart to him. And yes. you, the intention of your heart was there. You know what I mean? Yes. You didn't know how to. Anyway, so then this woman, you know, and then you're like, I want to be. You surrendered. And. Uh, the yes. prayer of surrender changes 
everything. Yes. And when you surrender to God, I know this, I know this to be true. And I, I talk about it all the time. When you surrender to God, like you did, that's what changes everything. And the enemy, he, you know, he's got like, he can't even use anything against you in that moment. Bam. God can work. Yes. Was awesome. Yeah, you know, so praise God. So now, okay. So your faith you and your your faith was tested shortly after this event when David, your son, was injured in a football game and he had a torn esophagus and a broken neck. Yes. And, and then it, it's okay. So I just want to look at my nose for a second. And it was documented through x-rays that he had a torn esophagus and a broken neck. You immediately called out to God and you 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 prayed. And then within minutes, it was confirmed that his neck was no longer broken and the hole had closed. Yes. Well, praise God. Amen. Tell, like, just briefly, tell what, what happened there? <laughs> what did the doctor well, say about that? Praise well, God. When he was, when he, they took him in from the emergency room and, um, and they did the x-ray and they, you know, they, saw that there was air behind his lungs. Well, the only way for air to be behind your lungs is for there to be a hole in your esophagus. Mm. And then they came back with the x-ray. See, and I didn't realize it was this bad and he didn't either. Mm -hmm. And so once I realized that, wow, they're saying like we have to get you into emergency surgery, which because we found out later that 90% 90, 90 of the people that have surgery for this die anyway. Oh and people God. that don't have surgery, 100% die. And so when they when they told me that, I realized at that point that I needed to pray. I needed to start calling people. So I, I went went outside and I start got ready to start calling people to pray. And I realized that when I tell people, I've told people so many times, when you need God, get on your face and let him know you need him. And so I fell down right in the parking lot on my knees and I began to pray and cry out to God and ask him to save my son again. Help me. So we went back in. They came back with a second round of x-rays and the neck isn't broken. And then a man came in with a tube to look down his throat to see where the hole was in the esophagus. And he looked up with a strange look on his face and he said, there has to be a hole in there, but there's not. And so they literally put him in intent. They put him in intensive care for seven days wow. because they were afraid to send him home for fear of what could happen. And finally, after seven days, like a group of doctors came in and said, we know that you guys have a faith in God. And so we, we feel very comfortable telling you we have no explanation that what happened to your son other than God healed him. Praise the Lord. What? Yeah. I mean, that's two Amen. miracles right there. Glory yeah. to God. And so what do the words all glory to God mean to you? I just think so many times we ask God for answers to prayer and we receive them. And then we don't like always tell him thank you and thank him for him and give him the glory for it. And so I just like to do that now it's all the time when when I ask God for prayer and when I pray and I need something for my family or even people in church and God answers that prayer then I always say right away God I give you all the glory because it's not me and it's not it's not anyone it's God it's and he deserves God. all the glory amen and amen, amen. I love it. tell us how is David doing now well he David ended up graduating from Lee College uh, 
with a ministry and then he got his ministry license and now he that was a bachelor degree and now he got a bachelor degree in um uh graphic design awesome. and he's doing he's doing fantastic he's working hard he's doing got a great job graphic designing right now fabulous yeah what a wonderful story inside and out i mean i'm telling you and for those of you watching this book is it's called the Father's Love, and I understand there's a different cover to it now. That I did your you say your son designed? Ah, there it is. Okay, beautiful. But you can find the book on Amazon. It's a quick read, but yet it's so powerful, and it will give hope and encouragement. Oh my gosh, it will build faith, and that's where you found your faith in God through what happened. Yes, I mean it completely changed your life. It turned everything around. And so, yes, in this instance, David's son was missing. Your son was missing. However, there are so many people out there that do feel hopeless, whether yes. it's, you know, whether they're going through depression or a relationship or whatever the struggle might be, right? They need hope. They need encouragement. And I believe that this book I love it. I honestly, I couldn't put it down. It's a quick read. It's not a super thick. It's awesome. And it's so powerful. And it says the father's love amid a frantic search for his son, a father finds his faith. Mm, I love it by Dave Moore. And you can get this book on Amazon. I highly recommend it. Maybe give it as a gift to someone else. And definitely. And if you'd like to contact Dave Moore, you can reach him through Facebook. His Facebook um, profile, you can just um, type in Dave Moore. You'll see him. And feel free to reach out to Dave. And Dave, you pray with people. You are a mighty man of God. And you pray with sincerity. You have a pure heart. I know that about you. I see it. And your wife, Dorinda, I mean, I just met her briefly. And just you guys are just the real deal. And I just want to say thank you so much for being with us on the broadcast tonight. Your, your testimony is such a blessing. And just thank you so much for being our special guest. Yay. Well, it's great. I just love to tell the story. And I just like to say there's always hope with God. Always. I love that. Amen. A big, huge amen. Yeah. And so, um, and to you, you know, who, who are watching the broadcast, be sure to share this broadcast on your social media. Let's advance God's kingdom together. Dave, again, I just want to say thank you so much. We're about out of time, but wow, so powerful. And I want to thank you for watching The Victorious Life. Feel free to reach out to Dave and Dorinda, just amazing people. And we just, we love you and we bless you in Jesus' name. And thanks for watching The Victorious Life. And I'll see you again next time. Jesus is Lord. Yes. Yes. God thank bless you. you. All right. Good night, everybody.